Father God, I need more. Our church needs more. My family needs more. I want more. I want more hope, more joy, more peace, more love. I want the fullness of life that Jesus offers. Father, saturate my soul with your spirit so that I overflow with Jesus. I want more. But I confess I'm full of everything but Jesus. I've loaded my mind with so much noise that it's weary and worried. I've heaped stuff upon my soul that's left little space for the spirit who truly satisfies. I filled my time with my own agenda. I'm full, but it's not you. Something has to go. I'm bringing you everything, not you, that fills me up. I open my hands in a posture of surrender. Empty me. The noise, the distractions, the clutter, the fears, my attempts to control, my bitterness, my wounds. The burdens I've tried to carry on my own, my attempts to control, my stuff, even me, empty me of me. With open hands, I surrender everything, not you. Empty me so you can fill me with joy and peace that overflows in hope. Empty me so you can saturate my soul with your spirit. Empty me so I can abound with the life coming from your hand. Fill us so full that we can't help but overflow with Jesus. Fill our families with your presence. Fill our neighborhoods with your love. Fill our valleys with the knowledge of your glory. Fill us so full that we can't help but overflow with Jesus. Amen. Morning. How are you? Good to be with you. What an honor it is to be able to share God's word with you this morning as we finish up our Making Space series. And I hope you've been encouraged and simultaneously challenged by, you know, what you've heard and what you have probably tried to experience as you've tried to put some of these practices into place. I mean, it's been today's the 50th day of our devotion, so we're finishing up the series this morning. And um, I know for myself, I've really been challenged at times when I've read other people's devotions to see what God was doing in their heart and what God was trying to say to them and how that related to my own walk with Jesus. And I just want to say thank you to everybody who was part of writing those devotionals. Uh, we have so many gifted people here who, you know, just know how to create great phrases and words and to be able to give us an opportunity to hear their hearts through what they write. And, um, you know, one of the things that we're learning when it comes to this idea of knowing Jesus and making space for him is that ultimately we come to the place where we need to declutter, right? Like we know that we need to declutter our lives or there won't be room for him. And, you know, we need to kind of almost become like spiritual minimalists per se. I've got some friends who are minimalists. They drive me crazy. You know, they're like, you don't need that. You don't need that. You know, why do you have that in your house? You haven't touched that thing in six years. Give it away. You know, it's like, well, you don't know my wife. Okay. She doesn't like to throw anything away. Right. But at the same time, when we look at what Jesus is trying to do in our hearts, we realize that he's always pricking our heart, that he's always trying to speak to us, that he's always trying to say, hey, listen, I've got something for you. I've got a purpose for you. I have a plan for you. And if you're willing to kind of let things go and give me a chance, I'll move in your life. And each week we reflect, reflected on, you know, some topics like silence and solitude and, and surrender. And we, we learned how much stuff we have and how much stuff is inside of us that needs actually unstuffed. And, and we also learned that 
You know, it's not just about worldly stuff. I mean, we hit that pretty hard, but it's also about, you know, selfishness and arrogance and self-righteousness, fear and jealousy and unforgiveness, you know, that are down in there and they're controlling our lives and they're leading us actually away from Jesus. But we also rejoice in the fact that the Lord has provided a beautiful, joyful discipline for us. That if we'll obey Him, if we'll hear what He has to say and we'll obey Him, that we can experience the life that Jesus has for us. And so today, my topic is the, is the Sabbath. I want to discuss the Sabbath, but I want to specifically discuss how to find Christ in the Sabbath. How to actually find Christ in the Sabbath. And before I do that, I just want to pray. Father, we just open our hearts this morning. Thank you for the opportunity we've had to worship you. To just take a few moments where whatever, whatever stuff is there, whatever things are trying to consume our hearts and our minds that, you know, we were able to just maybe check that out and just say, I, I just want to sing, I just want to worship Jesus. And this morning I pray that even as we hear the word of God, that it would do its work in our hearts, that it would separate that which is not of you and that which is of you. Give us courage to hear your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So how many of you like to take a nap? Okay, I'd love to take a nap. Well, I mean, other than in church, right? <laughs> My wife considers me a professional napper. A professional napper. Matter of fact, uh, she was perusing on the internet, you know, months ago... And she found this t-shirt and it says, Jesus took naps, be like Jesus. And she knew that that was going, she like immediately, like, I got to get that shirt for Jorn. And when I was younger, she was amazed that, you know, I could lay down and two minutes I'd be snoring. And then five minutes later, I'd jump up and I'd be ready to go. Like she just said, I could never do that. If I laid down for five minutes and slept, I'd wake up. I'd want to like, you know, break something, <laughs> you know. Um, but I, I just was able to do that. But I, I want you to know that as I've got older, my naps have progressed, right? And now I'm at the point where I'm 60 years old and I need to tap into the dispensational grace of napping, right? And so when I'm, when I'm getting ready to nap, I, I, I always say to my wife now, I'm like, I just need 15 minutes. Just give me 15 minutes. And, you know, she, she always says, you know it's going to be more than 15 minutes. So the naps have gone from five minutes to... Something eternal, I think, you know, I'm at the place where I really, you know, I just, I really like to take a nap, but it's not just that I nap, but it's actually how I nap. I, I, I have a specific way that I nap. I mean, there's a couch and there's three pillows and there's a blanket. And I'm telling you that when the stars align and those things align, I'm gone. I mean, I'm out. I mean, I'm just like, oh, this is perfect, you know. And there's times where I'm trying to take a nap and, you know, sometimes I'm tired. I'll be sitting on the chair, you know, but it's just not the same as the couch with the three pillows and the blankets. I mean, it's just a perfect scenario to to nap. But, but I also want you to know that I think that naps are good. I think they're good for our bodies. I think that, you know, sometimes we need to take a nap, but I also want you to know that I don't think a nap and rest are exactly the same thing. I, I know from my personal experience that I've taken plenty of naps to hide from the trouble in my soul. I've taken naps to take a temporary re- 
reprieve from the stressors of my life. But then when I wake up, they're actually still there. Thinking that they would actually go away. So we know that we can use all kinds of mechanisms in our lives to try to deal with stress and things and stuff inside of us. But at the same time, we've got this opportunity to experience God. Because we understand what rest does for us. That rest is a place of peace and renewed hope in our life. And we understand, when we understand why God created the Sabbath as a gift for us, this morning I want you to know that when God tells you to take a Sabbath, it's actually a gift from the Lord. And that gift is what helps us. And sometimes we have to do everything in our power to make sure we don't forget about this gift. And we need to do it kind of like how I do a nap. I mean, you need to be tenacious about it. You need to be aggressive. You need to say, no matter what, I'm going to make sure that I get this rest that I actually need. This morning, I'm going to read some verses to you from Hebrews chapter 4. And in Hebrews, I just want you to know, if you're not really familiar with it, it's all about Jesus. Hebrews is all about Jesus. It starts off, the very first verse in Hebrews is says that Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. So everything that you read in Hebrews is this idea of like, how do you get to Jesus? How do you know Jesus? How do you value Jesus? Where do you find Jesus? And along the way, he begins to share some of the things that are happening in people's lives. Pitfalls and stumbling blocks that are causing them to forget about Jesus. And not stay really connected to them. He uses words like rebellion and disobedience. You know, he uses words like hard-heartedness. And so he knows that when the context of what we're going through in our life can sometimes steal away the affection that we're supposed to have for God. And so when we read this, we see this string of revelation that heads right into where I'm going to read. And it's a reminder that Jesus needs to be central to our life. Central to our life. And that we must never deviate from Jesus. We must never kind of forget about Him or why we need Him or how God has given us an opportunity to know Him. Because it starts with Jesus and it ends with Jesus. Can anybody say Amen. The the writer reminds us in these verses that there's people who've left the path of Jesus and their trust in God's provision to sustain him. And this is one of the issues that we see here in the Bible over and over again. God tries to help us and we say we don't want your help. God tells us there's a better way and we think there's a better way. And we miss the opportunity to experience what it means to live by faith in Christ. And be sustained because we say he is all that I need. And so when we look at these verses that I'm going to read to you, I think there's a place that we actually see something here very powerful for our lives. When we miss the Sabbath, we become lost. When we miss the Sabbath, we actually become lost. Follow along with me. Therefore... While the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter the rest, as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they will not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation 
of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this passage, he said, they will not enter my rest, since therefore it remains for some to enter in. And those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of their disobedience. Again, he appoints to a certain day. Today, saying through David, so long afterward, in the words already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. A few years ago, there was an Israeli production company that created a series called Shtitzel. I don't know if any of you have ever seen it. It's on Netflix. And it's about this Orthodox Jewish family um, that lives in Jerusalem who follow this very strict, strict form of Judaism. And... Um, As soon as it came on, it became an instant success. I mean, millions of people started to watch this series because it revealed the human struggles of following God. It it, it revealed this idea that, you know, here were these people who wanted to follow God. God gave them the tenets of their faith. He gave them these laws for them to follow, and they kept falling very, very short of it. Very unique opportunity to kind of see a different culture and how their faith was supposed to align with actually doing what they needed to do. And I want you to know, I could not get enough of it. I loved it. The tension between trying to know God and follow God and being human and seeing the failures in your life and then going back to God and trying again. I mean, there was just something like, oh my gosh, this is, there's not, there's nothing different in the world. Like, it doesn't matter where your faith is at. I mean, every human is going to go through this tension. And, um, you know, I, I just I just thought it was great that, like, in the middle of the series, you know, there were these little nuances of their faith that really attracted to me, attracted me. Like, like, before they would drink, even drink a little bit of water, they would pray. You know, they would pray this prayer of God, thank you for everything that you've created on the earth, everything that's a blessing to me. You know, they would go through the threshold of a door and there would be um, a script on the side of the door and they would touch it and kiss, they would kiss it and touch it before they would enter the house. I mean, there were all these unique things that they did and for whatever reason, I just like, I, I was just enamored with what they were doing. But at the same time, I believe that they had missed the opportunity to really, you know, work through these things because they were stuck on trying to figure out if I could just do this right, everything will be good. But in it, there was a thread. And I think there's a sincere thread for us in what we're doing. And and it was that these simple prayers simply were a way of saying, I want my whole life to reflect the consciousness of God. I want my whole life to reflect that I am conscious and aware that God is with me everywhere I go. It really resonated with me. The longing of every human is to know their creator, but to know their creator in a place of rest and not striving. To experience his love 
and to consistently know that God has something for us. And I believe the Sabbath is a platform for this to consistently happen in our own life. Though we understand we need to spend time with Jesus, you know, and do a devotional in the morning, you know, and, you know, and make sure we're praying. I mean, we're talking about those things. We understand that uniquely there's a place where God has created something very supernatural for us to experience. In the Old Testament, the Sabbath is defined as stop. Just stop. Stop doing what you're doing. It means to cease from your labor. Cease from your everyday activities. On Thursday at our staff meeting, we took part in some leadership teachings that were happening. And uh, the host pastor of the organization uh, was sharing a message. And he entitled the message, Take the Day Off. Take the Day Off. And he talked primarily about what happens when we don't stop working. That was kind of his emphasis. I mean, it was good. I mean, I don't, I won't, I won't say like, oh, that didn't speak to me yet. It was, it was good. But, but I want you to know that really it was just a warning. It was a warning that says that, listen, if we don't stop, we're going to burn out. If we don't take time away from the everyday things of this life, that we're going to burn out. But it was simply what I consider a warning. But when I look at these verses, I see something different. I see more than just a warning. I see more than just, hey, stop doing what you're doing or it's going to kill you. I believe that Sabbath is a heavenly rest. A heavenly rest. It's a place where we connect with Jesus and no other way. It's a place that we need to protect and we need to fight for without compromise. It, 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 it's... It's our heaven to earth moment when we take everything away, when we remove all the distractions in our life, we connect with Jesus in a way that literally it's like heaven opens up and me and Jesus and you and Jesus begin to commune in a very unique and personal way. See, I believe that the Sabbath is transcendent. I believe that the Sabbath has to be engaged by faith. Through grace. Just like your salvation. If you've given your life to Jesus. You did that by faith. God then forgave you. You experienced his grace. And I believe that the Sabbath is the exact same thing. And the reason maybe sometimes we struggle with the Sabbath. Is because we don't really understand. That there's an opportunity for us to know God uniquely in that very moment. That we set aside for him. And I also think that when we look at this, there's a progression of thought in the verses that we read. And, and the first thought that I really thought was, it was this, was the Sabbath reflects the gospel. The Sabbath reflects the gospel. Now, most of you in here, you hear me preach different times. I always talk about the gospel. I can't help myself. Okay, you're never going to get away with me preaching on a Sunday and I'm not going to tell you you need to give your life to Jesus. Right. You're always going to hear me say that because it's, it's the foundation of everything that you're going to hear next. And I believe that immediately the first thing that God does is he reminds us of who he is and what he wants to do for us in this thing called salvation to be saved by God. Hebrews 4.2 says this, for good news came to us just as to them. 
Twice the writer uses the words good news. I want you to know, if you go back to the original language, that good news means the gospel. So he's saying that two times he uses this word good news. The first time he uses it as an illustration of those who didn't know Jesus yet. It's the Old Testament reference. But even in the Old Testament, God was revealing the gospel to his people. They didn't even know Jesus yet. They didn't know Jesus was coming. Some of them probably never even, well, by that, by the time they would have heard this, you know, the prophets weren't even prophesying Jesus yet. And yet God, in his grace, was revealing his eternal plan to each of them before Jesus ever came on the scene. And he simply was asking them to trust in him. To trust that when he tells them to do something, they can do it and he will show up in that moment and he will be there and he will save them. The second time that he uses the word, uh, the gospel is, is in this idea of people who already knew Jesus or heard about Jesus or for you and I this morning. So the second time he references the good news, it's for you and I. And it's a warning to keep our eyes on Jesus. To fix our eyes on Him. To know Him as what we call the Lord of the Sabbath. See, in the Sabbath we find Christ. We find Christ. It's a, it's a weekly reminder of His power and His authority to save us. Think about that. Think about every time you do the Sabbath, it's a revelation of what God has saved you from. Come on. That's so good. How many times in the last week have you tried to save yourself? How many times? How many times have God tried to speak to you? You didn't obey. You trusted in yourself. Just this week alone. Huh? We could write a devotion, a 50-day devotional of how to save yourself. Amen? (laughs) Every time we break the Sabbath, we're saying, I can save myself. Because see, the Sabbath saves us from ourselves. From beginning, it's always been the same. Our God has longed to save us. It's the beauty of the gospel. And we're refreshed by it every time we take the Sabbath. I'll be honest. I've been a notorious Sabbath breaker. Notorious. I mean, there's lots of smaller reasons. Like I just, you know, I came to this place where I thought, you know, the Sabbath is really for introverts, you know, because introverts just want to, you know, they want to be like, if Jake Knowles in here, he's like, amen. You know, you heard his little thing. I'm an introvert, you know, I mean, when I, when I, when I look at the Sabbath, I'm like, yeah, this is great for people who don't want to be with people. They just want to be alone all day, you know, and meditate and, you know, pray. And like, that's not me. <laughs> like I, I'm a people person. I like to be with people. And, um, you know, may, maybe that's not you. Maybe, maybe the issue with the Sabbath for you is, you know, hey, Jesus understands. I mean, back in the Old Testament, they didn't really have much to do. You know, they didn't even have electricity. You know, I mean, their days were shorter because of that. I mean, they didn't have sports camp for their kids, right? They didn't have, you know, all these other activities, you know. They didn't have Netflix back then. You know, they didn't have all these things. I mean, Jesus clearly understands that I don't have the same amount of time that they had back then.
I believe that the real issue is the same issue that I've come to conclude in my own life and why the Sabbath is so difficult for me personally. It's this idea that I don't really want to trust that Jesus is going to save me from everything. That he's not going to save me from everything. And the reason I break the Sabbath is because I want to save myself. But God is saying no. He's saying no. And I wonder this morning as I've been really thinking about this in my own life. You know, it says that those who believed entered in. Now, historically, we know that means that, you know, the Israelites were in slavery. God took them out of slavery. And he said that he was going to take them to the promised land. And the problem was, is they never got there. (laughs) They all died in the desert. Forty years later, they all had disappeared. That whole generation that initially had the promise had missed it. And I wonder if the same issue is still happening today in our own lives. That we haven't come to the place where we really see that when we talk about Jesus, we're talking about the power of God and His authority to save us totally and completely in every area of our life. And I wonder if the Sabbath may be the place, the greatest place where we have no faith. Where we totally lack faith. All the place like, oh, I don't have faith that God's going to take care of my finances. Oh, I don't have faith that God is going to take care of my children. I don't know if God's going to take care of the world. You know, whatever it is that we struggle with and we're like, I just can't see God showing up in that moment. But maybe the greatest place where we have always lacked faith is in the Sabbath. Because in the Sabbath is where God cultivates the truth that He can save your finances. He can save your family. He can save the world. Because we see Him. And we know Him there. Second thing that I think that we see is that the Sabbath defines my identity. It defines my identity. Hebrews 4.4 4 says, And God rested on the seventh day from all His works. Let me ask you this question. Why can't you rest? What is driving you this week? Who do you need? Why do you need to be so busy? Why can't you unplug from the world? Why do you need to prove yourself? And why do you care so much about what people think and not what God thinks about you? You might be thinking, what does this scripture have to do with my identity? Well, do you remember the first time God spoke in the Bible and he used the word Sabbath? He used it after he delivered his people from 400 years of bondage and slavery. That was the first time. So he takes them out of the bondage and the slavery they're in. And the first thing he says is, listen, I'm going to give you one day off. You haven't had a day off in 400 years. Now you're going to get your opportunity to have freedom from being a slave. Guess what they did? First week they're out there all by themselves, right? Does anybody know? Seventh day comes, the Sabbath day comes, and what do they do? They're all out picking up wood and working. Why? Because down in their DNA, they still believed that they were slaves. They were still slaves. Because they couldn't trust that on that day, God would make happen what needed to happen to sustain them. And they became 
stuck in the wilderness for 40 years. I think the reason, you know, yes, disobedience and there's a lot of things that were going on. But really, if we really get down to the heart of it, the reason that they were stuck there for so long is because they simply could not stop thinking that they were slaves. And slaves have to do everything on their own. There's no one there to help them. There's no one there to take care of them. There's no one there to sustain them. And they're stuck right there. And there they were on this journey to the promised land. God promised to take care of them the whole way. And they couldn't do it because they were slaves. And he knew it was going to take quite a bit of time for them to get over this. And he knew that eventually... The only way that people were really going to come out of slavery and really find their identity and understand who they are and how God loved them is because Jesus was going to come into the world. Do you have a slave mentality this morning? Let me say this to you. Pull your feet up so if I step on your toes, you don't yell. If you can't rest or stop, you're still a slave. You're a slave. You're a slave because you don't know who you are. And when you don't know who you are, you're left to performance-based acceptance with God. You're left trying to prove over and over and over again who you need to be instead of just trusting that God has a plan for your life. Let me show you something. I, I Just in Genesis, um, at the beginning, when God was creating the world... When he would create, the, when he was creating the world in seven days, um, he, he periodically he would look at what he had done so far and he would say, "This is good." How many of you remember this? Right? This is good. And then when he gets at the end and he creates us in his image and he finishes all, he looks back and he says, "This is very good." Everything was good up to that point, but then when he made us, he finished his work and he actually said, "Now." This is very good. And I believe there's a correlation between what the Sabbath is to us. The Sabbath is the ability for God to recreate in us this idea that we're not just good enough, but we're actually very good. That we're very good. That when God looks at us, He says, you know what? I love you. And so this morning, you need to ask yourself, are you just good enough? Or are you very good? Because I can tell you, that changes... How you pursue God. It changes His role in your life. And I believe that today you have to ask yourself, what is driving you today? Are you driven because in your heart you really know you're just not good enough? Whatever you're going to do, it's not going to measure up. Someone's going to be disappointed with you. God's going to be disappointed with you. Or are you at the place... Where you got to believe what Jesus says. Because Jesus was there in the midst of this. And he was saying, oh, look at them. I created them. So they could know who they are. That they could say that they're very good. See, the Sabbath is the ability to look back and say, man, that was very good. That time with God, that Sabbath was very good. And guess what? I'm very good. See, we see the Sabbath as a reminder of God's saving work first. And then we see it as also this idea of like God having to remind us of who we are. That we are no longer slaves. 
that we're free. I have nothing to prove. You have nothing to prove. You don't have to prove anything to God. You don't have to prove anything to people. I know that that seems very hard in the culture we're in, but I'm telling you, if you want to get a pl- into a place where the Sabbath is ability for you to find Christ, you've got to work those two things out. You've got to see that you have nothing to prove to God and nothing to prove to other people that God simply loves you and He's created the Sabbath so that you and Him can commune together and you can see Jesus. It changes our motivation for the Sabbath. It's a place where we actually honor and glorify God and we obey His commands because our relationship is about pursuing Jesus. Not messianic, you know, mosaic laws that we need to hold on to to somehow feel like, oh my gosh, I went to church three times this month and I prayed for my neighbors and I invited somebody over for dinner. I got to be right with God. I, I, I have to, man, this, this is like the perfect scenario to say, look, look, look what I've done. Look who I am. And God's like, you need to chill out. You need to come to the place where your motive for doing anything is simply because you've been with me. You know me. You've heard my voice. You've listened to what I've had to say. See, the Sabbath is a journey into Christ. It says in Hebrews 4.11, Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. This morning, we have a promise from Jesus. That promise is that you can enter His rest. Jesus has removed every hindrance because of it. You think the cross was just to forgive you for your sins. That's true. But the cross destroys everything that would keep you from being able to commune with him. The cross tells us that the world doesn't have any power over our life. The cross tells us. It tells us that our hope is in him this morning. When we commune with him, when we see the Sabbath for what it is. Reminded that our hearts belong to Him and we can obey Him and not let our hearts become hardened. What was the hardening of their hearts that we saw in here? It was simply that they didn't want to be with Jesus. They wanted to try to work it out themselves. And we've come to this place where we understand like, man, we got to pursue God. That word strive in these, in this verse, it actually, the word strive means speed. Now, I, I'm not very fast anymore. Okay, I used to be pretty fast, but I'm, I'm, I'm definitely slow now. Okay. I want you to know that the writer is saying here, listen, put your best spiritual running shoes on and run to the Sabbath. Strive speedily. Get there as quick as you can because the whole world is trying to drag you down and control you and hold you and keep you away from Jesus. The stress of this life and the burdens of your heart are like weights that you're carrying that will begin to make you so tired that you'll never get to the place where you can actually step in to the rest of God. But here he's saying, look, man, you can do this. You can make it. Strive. Do it. This week I had a great talk with someone who's on the journey to know Jesus. 
We talked about life and sin and, and belief and, and morality and what it actually means to say that they are experiencing Jesus in their life. They were transparent in describing their relationship with Jesus and their desire to know him in a personal way. And here's what I said to him. I said, first of all, let me let you know, let, let me share something with you. There is no equation. There's no specific equation. Like, listen, Jorn, teach me how to do the Sabbath. I'll do it exactly like you. It will not work. My Sabbath is my Sabbath. You need to find yours because uniquely you have experienced Jesus in a way that he connects you and him together in the middle of it. But I do know that I've got to be speedily. I've got to move. I've got to make a choice. I do it because I'm in love with God, because God loves me, and I want to spend time with Him. I think that part of our souls will be lost without the Sabbath. A part of us will just kind of be listless and not connected if we don't find the Sabbath. Because, see, to find the Sabbath is to find Christ. Friends, this morning, we don't want to miss the big point. We don't want to miss the main point. Here's what Jesus said. Man's not made for the Sabbath. Sabbath is made for the man. Let me say that again. Man, Sabbath is made for the man. Not man for the Sabbath. So powerful. So true. That in this moment, God is probably trying to speak to some of your hearts because you know you've been disobedient. You know what happens when we become disobedient? Our hearts become hard. We become hard-hearted. And then we justify our life and we justify even how we relate to God instead of understanding that what God longs all for everything is to remove every burden in our heart, to invite us without fear, without the worry of falling short, to experience the Sabbath as a gift from God so that you and I can know Jesus. How about we speedily run towards Him and run on the Sabbath path. Let the path of the Sabbath be what you run on to get to Him. Amen?